0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. For the next four days, I'm going to be taking up two sermons that I taught at Andrew Womack's Bible Conference. The old and the young is the first one. When you go to a good church, they have all ages attending. They have the old on one side, not trying to get rid of the young, and the young are on the other side, not trying to get rid of the old. The two have learned to work together. The old have the wisdom that the young people need. The young people have energy and vision. The old have testimonies. They put the Word of God to the test and produce great stories of deliverance. The young have little history with the Lord, but they can learn from the old. Let's go to the Word of God together.
1: For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: Well, I was thinking about that song while he was singing it, and uh, you know, I know Joy's in heaven hearing it. He's down here hearing it, and she's up there, and she's reminiscing on that. And it won't be long. You two guys are going to be back together. He told Loretta and I the other day over at the, at the lodge, he said, you know, don't forget to love your, love your wife. And uh, God gave them a long, long time together. So marriages of God. And God intends you have good marriages. All right. Yeah, you go through some times of trouble. Brother Hagin was asked one time, what's his marriage like? He said, well, God put us together. He said, and we've been in love off and on ever since. So... <laughs> Oh, okay, well, very good, okay. Anyway, I just want to mention some things. I spoke last year on giving and the Lord just kind of brought me back to, I think in some cases it's got way too far out there and people were giving just for money. I mean, that's almost what was preached. You know, you give this much, God gives this much. It's almost like God was a slot machine. You put this much in, pull the thing and he comes out with this much. And so I really want to come back to just the basics of giving. And so I taught three lessons last last year and put them together on just the basics of giving. And it all really revolved revolved around one verse of scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 3, the love chapter. You mean there's a giving verse in there? Yes, verse 3. It says, if I give everything away and even my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. The Lord grabbed me on that verse and said, it's the only verse in the love chapter that has the word profit attached to it. I said, wow. And he says, yes. And notice this, the motive isn't profit, it's love. If you'll give out of love for me and love for people, he said, watch out. I'll see so much profit comes into your life. And he gave me something out of that. He said, it's not the giving that causes it to come back. It's the motive behind the giving that causes it to come back. And love is the central thing. So what I did was I put 52 short lessons together for offering time. And there was one that came out a few years ago. John Avanzini had one, but it was so short, I kept saying, there's gotta be more to it than this. There was enough for just a few weeks. And so I've been thinking about all this time. And so I wanted to put together one that had 52 lessons in. And I had to start weeding it down because I found more than 52. And so each one actually has places on here where you can actually put your own notes on it. You want to scratch things out, write your own notes on there. And each one is three to five minutes, but there's a, two or three of them that probably are longer than that. You can make a whole sermon out of. But what I'm saying is, if you have a communion service, you don't take 30 minutes. You just talk a little bit about a scripture. If you have water baptism, you do the same thing. Why were we taking 30, 40 minutes every Sunday to talk about the offering? It makes you sound like all you want's money and we're not wanting money, we're to build the kingdom of God. Amen. And admonition, so there's enough in here just for some admonition every single week. That's for pastors out there or for anybody who just wants to study it, that's out there. All by flash drives are half price here. And I think the best place to listen to flash drives is in your car. Turn off the country music. Okay, turn off, okay. Turn off the classic rock. It got quieter on that one. Okay, turn off talk radio Amen. and play the word of God. Amen. And uh, you know, this one. This one's everything I got in the New Testament. In fact, since it's all half price, I sold a couple of them Sunday to uh, some people at River Rock. So go back to the table, they'll give you half your money back or just apply that toward another purchase. But uh, there's a girl that bought this one in Nebraska. And uh, this has been three years ago. She said, I've been listening to this. She said, I'm still not through it. This has 480 CDs on it. It's everything I've taught on the New Testament on one flash drive. And she said, I've been listening to it. She said, you told us to to turn everything else off and just have the word of God in there. It starts when I turn the car on, it turns off when I turn the car off, it picks up right back where it left off when I get back in the car. She said, for two years, I've done nothing but listen to this. She said, my whole life has changed. She said, I'm not even the same person. All I think about is the word. Whenever a decision comes, I think of a scripture I have heard. She says, my life is radically different. The foundations of my life cannot be shaken now. And she just wanted to thank me for the word of God. Whatever you paid for this, one revelation is worth it. Yeah. One revelation. And there's many on here. So again, you can get that out at the booth. God's Word to Pastors, since I was a pastor for 33 years, I just love pastoring. God called me to it. And I put everything I ever learned about pastoring in one book. I had a bunch of books, so I condensed them all together. Recently, redid it, and this is out on the on the table called God's Word to Pastors and uh, you'll be blessed by it. So much more out there, books on books of the Bible and things like that. So you'll be blessed, stop by out there and then turn with me this morning, Luke chapter two. And I wanna talk, this this today and uh, Thursday when I minister also, I'm just gonna talk about the local church I'm going to get real practical about the local church because as far as I'm concerned, it is God's center of activity for the church age. For 2,000 years, he didn't call this the the prophetic age. He didn't call this the apostolic age. He called this the church age. And the closest you'll get to heaven on earth is a church service. Didn't get a lot of amens on that because some of you probably think about the church you go to. That's about as long away from heaven as possible. (laughs) But church is intended to be that way. To come into a place, listen, you're not going to get praise and worship in the world. You're not going to get the name of Jesus and talk about the Bible anywhere except in the church. And although the church may not be heaven, it's the closest on earth to heaven we're going to get. And so I'm going to talk about that today and then also on Thursday. In Luke chapter 2, I want to take take a look at verse 22 down through verse 32. And here it says, now when the days of her, that is Mary, her purification, according to the law of Moses was completed, they, that is Joseph and Mary, brought him, the baby Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. This was on the eighth day. This was to have him circumcised. And notice again, it says here, they did this, verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who opens the womb shall be called holy unto the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was just and devout, waiting on the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ." So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and to the glory of your people But you look back at this for just a moment? Three times it says that Mary and Joseph came to the temple because it was found in the Word. Three times it said of Simeon, he came to the temple by the Holy Spirit and they both met at the same time. The Spirit and the Word agree. They didn't plan this. In fact, it doesn't say when to show up in the temple in the Word. It just says go to the temple that day and they still showed up at exactly the same time. The Word and the Spirit agree. Need some prophets to understand that today. We've got some good prophets out there, but we've got some non-prophets out there. I can tell you that. <laughs> they prophesy things. You, where did you get that? For a while, I got so tired of them giving dates that never came to pass. Don't look at me like that. Some of you are going, exact. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And they gave these. In two weeks, this is going to happen. Then when it didn't happen, and you question, then they say, "Don't touch God's anointed." <laughs> well, if you were anointed, it would have come to pass. And then they get upset with you. All I'm saying is, folks, if it's a true prophet, it lines up with the word eventually. It may not right now, but at least just stay back and watch it. But if it doesn't line up with the word of God, it didn't come from God. Thank you. But if it does line up with the word of God, or if you, if you can't find the word, at least just wait to see if it comes to pass. But on the other hand, prophets should again line up with the Word of God so the two come together because God has always had that the Word and the Spirit agree. In fact, Long, long, long time ago, Smith Wigglesworth, before he died, had a vision of these end times we're living in right now and saw the revival. And he said he saw two hands of the Lord reach all the way around the world and they met in Australia and said that in this revival, for the first time ever, the spirit and the word, were going to totally agree. We've had word revivals, we've had spirit revivals, but this time they're both going to come together and it will agree. I think we're living in that day, don't you? <laughs> But notice here again, the spirit and the word agree in these verses of scripture. So again, we have that they came together. Jump down with me to verse 36. Verse 36, notice also, there was one Anna, a prophetess. The daughter of Phenuel of the tribe of Asher, she was of great age and she had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years who had not, did not depart from the temple, but served God with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming at that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him in all who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anna was also in there. I want you to notice something, is that Mary and Joseph came to the temple and two old people met him prophet showed up at the same time. Anna showed up. In fact, the prophet went in and out every day, but Anna lived there. We find out she made her home there. You say, why? Because the older you get, the more church means to you. You don't want to leave. You're the first one there, the last one to leave. I'm so blessed when I would come to church, a lot of times it'd be the older people greeting us at the front door, training some younger people. Our church, what I loved about our church for the 33 years I was there, the great mingling together of young people and old people. When I come here to CBC? The tremendous unity and also it's not like stacked more on one end than the other. It is just all type, young people, old people together, middle-aged people, and they get together and after a while you even forget who's of what age. You just don't know. And the younger people learn from the older people, the older people learn from the younger people. Yeah, you come to class and learn, but there's just certain life experiences you just can't get from a book. I admonish the students here, don't just come here and go to class and then don't go to church. Don't take two or three years away from church. Man, this is just right, this class here is theory. The church is lab class. That's where you put it to work. That's where you meet with people and fellowship together is so important. And a lot of times students, you get the idea that, that all the students around this is what church is like. Are you kidding? You're the upper 1%, the cream of the crop of churches that are here. Churches that you go to have problems. That's why it's not all together like heaven, but you do have problems in church. And yes, it's wonderful to come to Bible school, but you graduate from here and go take a church somewhere and you say, wait a minute, this isn't like CBC. We don't sit around all day saying, praise Jesus, hallelujah, amen. There's people coming in here, people cussing over in the corner. Does that actually happen in church? Yes, it does. You have board members that don't like you when you first come. You think they're all gonna be, oh, a CBC student has come here to take over. No, there's gonna be people that aren't happy about it. There's a letter that was sent out probably two, three years ago to the alumni of CBC saying, tell us, you know, some things you wish we would have taught at CBC. 99% of them were, you didn't teach us how to handle people. <laughs> I can tell you, we, we can't be here long enough to teach you how to handle people. <laughs> We'd have so many courses, you'd be here for the next 30 years. The thing about people is, too, you can't count on them. You don't know what's coming up about them. In fact, if we try to tell you how to handle one person, you're going to find out there's nobody in my church like that. They're all evil on the other end down here. And you find out that there's some, and every person is different and their problems are different. And one guy said, you didn't tell me that board members could be evil. Yes, they can. (laughs) But you just kind of got to learn that. But how do you learn that? You learn that not only by just coming to church or coming to school and getting the theory of it, you go back and, and during the week, the, some of the best students that I had come to our church from Rama from and ORU were going there, but they came and got involved in the church during the week. They helped our children, they helped our youth, they worked in the Sunday school department, and they learned how to handle people. And then they went out and again started churches around the world and some of the best ones. But then there were some that said, no, no, we're just going to take a two or three year vacation while we're coming to school. And some of the stuff you're learning here is just so great, but you've got to have a place to go put it into, into effect. And that's where you join up with the local church while you're here. But fellowship is so important. But the point you often get when you go to church, it's not going to be just a bunch of young people running around, nor is it just going to be a bunch of old people running around. You have the two working together and you need the two to work together. When they came to church that day, the old people were there. That's the first ones that met them at the door. It's the one they ran into when they were inside. It's like the older some people get and the older that Loretta and I get, we'd just soon be in churches to be anywhere else. Don't you have a life? I mean, can't you do anything else? Don't you enjoy doing anything else? No. We enjoy, we enjoy going to church. Don't you have anything else to do? No. Now we've done everything. We've traveled, we've seen just about everything. We got one more place we wanna see and we're probably gonna see that next year. And after that, we don't really care about seeing anything else. I think church is the halfway house between here and heaven, okay? It's not as good as heaven, but it's a whole lot better than anything else here on earth. I found that out. And once you get to heaven, you'll find out, wow, the closest thing to this, listen, you can sing in the shower, but it's not as good as the praise and worship we had here this morning fellow Christians coming together, hearts in tune with God, praise and worship starts. You can feel the presence of God everywhere. About the closest I can get to that is plugging in a CD in the car of the music we had at church and hearing that in the car, my voice just joins in with them. So we have that again, but the reason why is because we just enjoy church, going to church. And older people seem to like that and older people hang out there all the time and kind of have to shoo them out the door after church is over. They want to volunteer for so many things. But I think one of the best things to see at church, though, is you open up the door to come into the service and there's an older person there training a younger person. And they're learning from them because this is what we're here to do. And you see, we need the two of us. The two of us need each other. Say, how do you need each other? Well, the older people need the younger people to find out there is some vision left in the world. And there is some enthusiasm left in the world. Sometimes old people run out of the enthusiasm. They run out of all the oomph the de- and desire to do something. And that's where you bring the young people around. They have the energy and the vision. Old people have the wisdom and the money. You need us. You need us. And the point of it is we find somebody filled with energy. We just want to back them with some of our money and say, you go do it. We will support you. We'll praise God for you. That's the beauty of how the church works together. But that wisdom is the one thing that can be imparted from an older person to a younger person. And listen, it's not just sitting down learning it from a book. It's standing beside somebody and learning from life experiences they had. The things I learned pastoring, yes, I went to Bible school, but I couldn't afford much after that. Loretta and I got married halfway through At semester break. We got married at Bible school and she was working. I was working. And there was honestly weeks that we ran out of our finances three days before payday. And there's one time we ran out of money three days before payday. We started scrounging through drawers in there and guess what we found? From church, we found a little packet of books we had bought or a little packet of coupons we had bought from the youth department and one was for a free taco, one was for a free hamburger. We drove and got her. Did you get the hamburger? You don't remember. Anyway, she got one, I got the other and for three days we were going through that little book because we didn't have any money till that paycheck came through. Those were wonderful days when God just brought us through. All we had was Jesus and each other. But after that, we begin to find out. And God, but I didn't have enough money to go to a Bible school after that. Man, I paid for that Bible school, and I still paid for it a little after we left. I just didn't have the money for it, so I couldn't go to a place like CBC. But I'll tell you what, church made up for it because I learned from people, hung around the pastor. I mean, they gave me a class of Sunday school. I found out from the other Sunday school teachers how to do it. I began working for Kenneth Hagen. I look back on those days, and my Lord, I was so blessed. I actually worked with Kenneth Hagan. I got to sit down at tables with him because I would do his radio broadcasts and cassette tapes. Remember cassette tapes? <laughs> and I would make those and then talk to him. But I said, You said this, you want to explain it a little bit better? And I said, Maybe I can kind of help, you know, and pull something out and stick it in there and, and help. He'd say, Thank you, and he would talk about things like that one day I came to the to the lunch table where there was we had 15 employees brother Hagen was there in his steel chair eating his lunch and in those days he came and ate lunch with everybody but he had a paper bag in his and and inside he had an apple and a half sandwich every day and he was there and he was leaning back on those back you know talking to each one of us and on the back two legs and Anyway, he looked at me and I said, well, Brother Hagan, I said, I was listening to and I told him what I learned that day from his uh, reel-to-reel tape. And I said, that was incredible. I had never heard it put that way. And he just suddenly grabbed an apple in one hand, was looking at the ceiling. He said, if every member of the body of Christ would just find out where they're supposed to be and function there, there's no force on earth that could stop us. I never forgot that. I said, oh, that's good. I took notes on it. I'll make a sermon out of it someday and try to make it better. Okay, that's all right. If you take this sermon today, go make it better, have at it, because I can't tell you exactly where all I got it. But I heard it from somebody who heard it from somebody who heard it from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't charge you any fees on using his material. So that's great. But notice this again, Stephen and Anna were already at the, at the pardon me, that uh, Simeon and Anna were already at the uh, church when they came. Simeon met them at the front door. Anna was already on the inside. And both of them basically just hung around the church all the time. The older you get, that's just what you want to do. There's nothing in life that's better than Jesus. You found it out. You've seen all the sights of earth. And you just want to be around the people of God. Because why. There's just something about being around God's people. It's preparing you for heaven where you'll be with them forever. And those two that were there, you know what they were waiting on? They were waiting on one thing, both waiting on the same time, same thing. He was, although they were both spirit people, he was one that prophesied. She was one that prayed. Both of them had the same thing. We're going to both see Messiah before we die. And the moment they saw that Messiah, they said, now we're prepared to die. That's what they were waiting on. And so again, we have it here in these verses of scripture. Turn to Acts chapter 13, Acts the 13th chapter The problem is, is oftentimes in church, the old people don't like the young people. The young people don't like the old people. If you have an old pastor, he doesn't want to hear anything the young people have to say. If you have a, you know, old pastor, young pastor, whatever, they don't like the other side. So they, they, you know, talk bad about them, but we need each other. That's the point, we need each other. And in this verse of scripture, my son was telling me whenever he took the church some 10 years ago, he said, dad, he said, I, I, I worked in the youth department and working in the youth department he said this, the young people would come to me and they'd often say said some of them were teenagers some of them were close to 20 and they said then the you know the ones in the mid you know teens and stuff would say well pastor they said tell us you know about our generation our generation is teenage and then the 20 year olds would say well what about our generation we're 20 and then the 25 year olds would say well what about the 25 year olds and then the others would say well what about 25 year olds with kids how do you minister to our generation I said, after a while, my son said, after a while, I got so t- tired of trying to divide the generations up, you know, children, no children, mid-teens, older teens and stuff. He said, it suddenly struck him one day. He said, the Lord spoke to him and said, Exodus generation. He said, what do you mean, Lord? He said, Exodus generation was all the way from newborn babies all the way to people up to 100 years old. He said, a generation is everybody that's alive now. doesn't matter what your age. Anybody can admit it? You've run into 50-year-old, 20-year-olds, but you've also run into 50-year-old children. <laughs> Age doesn't necessarily mean maturity. And I've had some 20-year-olds that I could mark and I say, that person's called in the ministry. Look at the maturity that came from them. But you know what? They weren't afraid to go to the older people and just ask questions. Not every question's answered in a, in a book. Not every professor can give you the answers to everything. But talk to older people because I can tell you this. Older people don't usually talk to you about Scripture. They give you life experiences. Not the Scripture itself, but how it worked for them. How they stood and God brought them through a tornado that ripped the entire building apart and later on brought it all back. We could quote verses about that. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. But it's great to hear how it actually worked in Pastor Bob's life. And how that he and Joy came through that. And now the church, I mean, I was talking the other day to Charlie and Charlie was telling me how how many people are in the church and just just this massive, wonderful attitude in the church that's there. It's just the thing about the church is the church just keeps on going and keeps on going. Building, new building, old building, whatever, because the church is not the building, it's the people that are inside. And learning to fellowship with each other and share with each other is so literally important in the things of God. In Acts chapter 13, I told you to turn there. I'm sure you found it by now. Acts chapter 13, Take a look with me at verse 36. Notice this, it says, for David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. I want you to notice what it says about David. After he had served his own generation by the will of God. I told Loretta, this is what I want put on my tombstone. Bob served his generation by the will of God. What a thing to be said about your ministry when it was all over When I was with another young person in our church, he was asking me one day, he said, I'm called in the ministry too. And I said, great. And he said, and I know I'm called the ministry. He said, but I want to know, how can I affect the next generation? What can I do today to affect the next generation? I said, listen, if God wanted you to affect the next generation, he would have put you in it. Thanks for tuning in. As we've been talking about the old and the young, the power that each one has on the other, especially in a local church service, how that the old can teach the young, the young can learn from the old. And like I said, one of the most important things you get in a church is what you can't get in Bible school. And that's the fact that the wisdom of those around you learning to work with people. The book that I'm offering is called Proverbs. And out of this, I get how the old teach the young. In fact, the key word in the book of Proverbs is my son. And David was teaching Solomon. Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs based on what his father had taught him. And Solomon was putting that to use in his life and wants you to put it to use in your own life also. Also, I'm offering the flash drive on the life of Elisha and what a great story this is, especially when Elisha learned from Elijah, traveled with him for some 10 years before he took over the ministry from him. The Bible is filled with the importance of the old teaching the young, the young learning from the old and applying it to their life. And this is what literally gave Elisha the credibility, but also his standing before the other prophets, the young ones who wanted the job, to show them what was absolutely necessary not just book learning but standing beside a minister learning the importance of ministry this is the importance of the local church the announcer is going to come on and tell you how you can have a copy of each one of these thanks for tuning in today
1: Many Christians are quick to confess all that they are, all that they have, and all they can do. They appear to overflow in knowledge of righteousness, healing, authority, and many other spiritual truths. Yet for all this spiritual knowledge, many of these same people are foolish and unlearned when it comes to the practical things of Christian life. As James said, my brethren, these things ought not be so. The book of Proverbs is a prime source of the wisdom we need for daily existence, and a close study of it is well worth our time and attention. In Proverbs Wisdom for Today, Bob Yandian discusses what wisdom is, its benefits, how to find it, where it comes from, and how to receive it in order to help you live a life of wisdom. To order Proverbs Wisdom for Today, go to bobyandian.com. Elisha the prophet is an intriguing figure of the Old Testament, a miracle worker that deserves the extensive study that this series provides through these 13 lessons, which include the call of the miracle worker, where to begin a miracle ministry, the greatest miracle of all, water in the desert, oil in abundance, our heart's desire, faith to raise the dead, Naaman, his pride and his miracle, the purpose of a miracle. Returning what is lost, open and shut case, unseen deliverance, and does God remember our faithfulness? To order The Life of Elisha, visit our website at bobbyendian.com.